Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Um, special welcome if you're visiting this morning. A big welcome to Bruce Menzies. You're amazing. Big welcome to Sam, my flatmate. Big welcome to Joseph Clifford and his amazing wife, Jess, my ex-flatmate who kicked me out of their house. Um, and big welcome to Karina, the amazing Una's mum. Make sure you go and say hello to her after the service too because she's from Ireland and that is a beautiful accent that is better than mine. All right? True story. It's going to share a story of you guys this morning, and um, when I'm doing this, you can watch Glenn and what he's up to in the corner, or you can close your eyes, or you can just look at my beautiful face. So, once there lived a man. This man had a group of close friends, and that usually walked where he walked and talked his talk. In his company, they found everything they needed or could want, and as they enjoyed his company, he, so did, he did theirs too. He was the leader, and they were glad. One day, while they were all spending time together, laughing, just having fun, enjoying each other's company, they were given an invitation. And this invitation was to attend a wedding that was happening in a local town. And with such a great honor, they accepted. Excitement overcome them as they approached the wedding of the party that was about to take place. But as they got closer to the wedding, they began to get unsure if they really wanted to go because they knew that the leader's mum would also be attending this wedding. They're like, is it really going to be fun, man? Like, your mum is there. Is she really that cool? He was like, yeah, trust me. And as they got close to the wedding doors, they began to hear laughter and began to hear the sound of music, and they entered the wedding. The leader, of course, going to go and find his mum to give her a hug because everybody knows you've got to hug your mum before a party starts. And as the party began to go off, There was an issue, and it became very clear what that issue was. And that issue was that the wine was running out, and it was running out really fast. The man noticed the host began to be stressed and began to yell and argue with his servants that were right next to him and just complaining and saying, what are we going to do? What have you done? Blaming them. But as the man was noticing this, the man's friend saw a woman, and she was coming through the crowd really fast, and she did not look happy at all. And they begin to laugh because they knew who it was. It was their leader's mum. And as the leader began to look and saw his mum become running towards him, he began to laugh and get scared all at the same time. And as his mum grabbed him to the side and said, they're running out of wine. And this man stood there and looked his mum directly in the eyes. And this is what, she, this is what he said to her. <laughs> so good. Is this any of our business, mother? Is it yours or mine? This isn't my time. Don't push me. The man was annoyed by his mum and the comment that she made and by the expectation of everybody that was attending this party that he was the one to fix this issue that they had. Then she just didn't get angry. She didn't complain. She just began to walk off and she smiled. And as she smiled and walked by the servants, she whispered in their ears, whatever he tells you, do it. Moments later, the man stood there and thought, should I help? Should I help these people? Can I do what, what my mum is asking me to do? He looks around. In the corner of the room, he sees 20 to 30, six 20 to 30-gallon water pots. And he's like, I guess they'll have to do. And he orders the servants to bring them in front. And he lines them up all in front of him. And he says, fill them with water and fill them until they overflow. And then once they were all full, 
take them to your host. So he takes, they take them to the host, and as the man takes a glass, which he can see is water, and places it against his mouth to drink the first drink, instead of tasting that of water, he tastes that of the finest wine that he's ever tasted in his life, and he's confused, but the servants knew how it happened or, and who did it, but the host was just like, man, this is awesome. And the man that did all this was Jesus. In verse um, 9 to 10, 11 in John, it says this, When the host tasted the water that became wine, he didn't know what had just happened, but the servants, of course, knew. He called out to the bridegroom, and check this out. Everybody I know begins with the finest wine, and after the guests have had their fill, brings in the cheap stuff. But you've saved the best till now. The act in Cana of Galilee was the first sign Jesus gave, the first glimpse of his glory of his disciples that believed in him. You know, there's three points that I just want to quickly take and for you guys to grab hold of in this. And I just want you guys to also close your eyes in this moment. Is that the first one is that weddings in the first century were so significant. They were a binding contract between two families. The host of the wedding would invite as many people as he possibly could. He would always invite the most important people of the town. This was a small town. And, and if you didn't come, it was seen as an insult. The husband would then prove by throwing a big banquet or a massive party that he had the means to take care of his wife and his future children. Running out of food and drink was more than just an embarrassment, but it was actually seen as an offense. In Jewish culture, this showed that the man wouldn't be able to fulfill the promise that he made to both families or be able to fulfill the promise that he made to his wife and therefore his future children. But in John 2, 4 to 5, which is going to be on the screen, Jesus said, Is there any of our business, mother? Yours or mine? This isn't my time. Don't push me. She, she went ahead anyway, telling the servants, whatever he tells you, just do it. You know, the cool thing about this is, he, she goes and asks Jesus, and obviously she knows who it is. It's his son. She, he, she's very aware that he is the son of God. But and there's something else that I like about this, and why I said close your eyes. What I really like about this is if you've ever had a mother figure in your life or your mum, everybody knows that if your mum tells you to do something, you better do it. Because if you don't do it, when you go home, you're going to definitely hear why you should have done what you didn't do, and the issue that it had, and never do it again. So Jesus was like, man, I've got to find something that I can do. If it's me and my disciples go and buy wine, or I know, I'll create wine out of water. There you go. So always listen to your mum. There's a good sign in there for the kids that are still in the service. And the cool thing about this is this teaches us a lot about Jesus' character. It tells us that Jesus was okay with attending parties, attending festivals. In John's text, he makes it very clear that Jesus' presence was welcomed, that he actually intentionally was there. He didn't just hear the music and the dancing was like, oh, that sounds kind of cool, or maybe I should go and pray for them all. He was invited, he accepted the invitation, and just wanted to be a part of the party. When the water ran out, when the water ran out, when the wine ran out, he was like, man, there's an issue here. And what it actually did is set the stage for this. And I just really want you to grab hold of this with your eyes closed. Jesus had the chance to respond to a truly heartfelt need for love that he had for his mum and the people at the party becoming the first miracle he ever performed. As a result of the miracle that took place, it says Jesus' disciples put their trust in him from that day on. And why this is so important is this should remind us that Jesus' ability to handle our issues, no matter how big or how small, that when we ask, he does listen. And not only will he do something, but he will do something better than we could imagine or wanted even in the first place. 
And check this out. Jesus provided the very best wine. He created the finest wine from water. And in doing this, it was his first miracle. And the trust that it gave the disciples is quite clear that living a life with him and for him is a better party to be attending than that without him. And living a life with him will experience do more with God than we could ever imagine or think of doing ourselves. Open your eyes if you had your eyes closed. You know, the cool thing about the Gospels is it shows Jesus with a sense of joy and even playfulness. People read the, the Scripture sometimes and they're like, man, Jesus sounds like a real party pooper. But if you look, you see glimpses of an interaction with men and women and children, how he speaks and how he heals, how he picked up mud and put it in the man's eyes. Jesus didn't need to put the mud in the guy's eyes to heal him. He just wanted to because it was funny. If Jesus wanted to heal his eyes, he could have just said, be healed. It's the same thing. Jesus worked different every time. The way that he communicated was fun, and it was very witful and very um, sometimes cheeky or more like he had more wisdom in the responses that he would give. In Luke seven thirty three to 34, it says this. For John the Baptist used to go about food and never took a drop of liquor all his life, and you said, he must be crazy. But I eat my food, and I drink my wine, and you say, what a glutton Jesus is. And he drinks and has the lowest of his friends. Pretty harsh, but we all know that Jesus didn't have the lowest of friends because he saw the gold in them, and he saw the potential that they had. See, because I can't imagine, right, a good storyteller, Jesus, one of the greatest storytellers to ever walk this world, that didn't have humor. If you were telling a story, Jesus had to engage his listeners every moment. His stories had to be sharp. They had to be witty because he had a lot to do in the short time that he was on earth. So he had to find a way to engage his listeners and that he was engaging them all the time. It doesn't matter for the people that loved Jesus or the people that hated Jesus. They all, he had all of their attention and they always wanted to follow him if that was to complain about what he was doing or say, man, you're so awesome. Jesus is the life of the party. Everyone close your eyes. Once the little girl asked her mother, Mummy, why do you cut the ends off the meat before you cook it? The girl's mother told her that she thought it added to the flavor by allowing the meat to better absorb the spices. But perhaps you should ask her grandmother, she said, as she's always done it that way. So the little girl found her grandmother and asked, Grandma, why do your mummy cut the ends off your meat before you cook it? Grandmother thought for a moment and answered, I think it allows the meat to stay tender before it soaks up the juices. But why don't you go and ask your nana? Because that's where I got it from. Frustrated and annoyed, she climbed up onto her great-grandmother's lap and asked Nana, why do you cut the ends off the meat before you cook it? And Nana looked at her in the eyes and said, I had to. My cooking pot wasn't big enough. You know, the thing is, we get used to what we do in life and, and we get used to the traditions and the habits that we have and they may have started off for a, good, for a good reason. It could have been a good habit that you started, like reading your Bible or worshipping every day. But if you keep doing it and you don't recognise why you're doing it, it becomes quite pointless and you start to wonder why you're doing it in the first place. And that's the same when it comes to communion that we're going to be doing this morning. The word communion is an action word which means fellowship participate in, share together, have in common. It's not just simply keeping a dead memory alive and just hoping that something happens. It's actually being in the presence of the one who lived, who died, and who rose again for our sins, and who is alive. On the evening that Jesus was betrayed, he was hanging out with his disciples, and he was like, yo, what's up? This is the last meal that we're going to have together. 
and he takes some bread and he breaks it and he talks about how this is my body that was going to be broken on the cross and then he takes the cup and he talks about this is my blood that is poured out for you when we drink in communion and when we eat remember that Jesus' blood was shed for us and that we could have a life and a relationship with him again the cool thing about communion is it's not actually just a funeral it's actually a party because if it was just a funeral Jesus would still be dead but he's alive The party didn't finish there. It's the best news for us all. It shows how much God loved us. It shows that he sent his only son to die for us and that he's the only one that could do it and that our sins have been forgiven and that we're able to live a life for and with him. Check this out. I just want you to close your eyes again in closing. The death of Jesus is a gift. It's a precious gift. And when you're given a gift, and gifts is my love language, so I love gifts. When you're given a gift... The person that gave it to you is not expecting you to cry because they gave you a gift. They're expecting you to celebrate the fact that you're just given a gift and say thank you as an expression of great love. And that's the same with communion and when we come and do this to remember Jesus. If we have tears, they should only be tears of joy, not of sadness. Because communion, although it's a memorial of his death, it's not a funeral. And if Jesus was still deaf, it is a party and that he is alive. And even the Last Supper was a party. And a party that I'm sure a lot of us can relate to. You can read this when you get home, but I just want to quickly paint a picture of the party. Is Jesus came and he talks to his disciples about, this is the last time we're going to eat a meal together. And he says in, it says in Scripture that he was excited to eat of them. You know when you go to a party, you only go to a party for two reasons. The two reasons is you either like the people that are there, or the second reason is you just want to go for the food. And so Jesus is there hanging out with his disciples and he likes the people that he's eating with and he also likes the food that they're eating. And they continue just hanging out and having this meal together. And then Jesus says, the person that's betrayed me or going to is sitting at this table. And then they begin to have an argument. And any party that you go to, there's always a little bit of arguing or drama. But Jesus being the great host is like, whoa, chill out. We're all here to have fun. And the last thing what's so cool about that Jesus was the life of the party is they then begin to talk about who's the best out of them. And if you ever go to a party, there's always that one guy telling all the jokes or showing all the magic tricks or saying, look at me, I'm the best. And there's always a group around him. And Jesus is like, whoa, hold up. We're all here to have fun. Let's all communicate. Let's all just relax and have this meal together and do this. Everyone stand up and close your eyes. Jesus was so committed to partying that when he died, he was like, no way. I'm the party and the party hasn't stopped. Why is everyone sad and complaining? I know what I'll do. I'll come back. Make them aware of how real I am and how much I care and how much I want, need and long and proud of part of them. Everyone here just want to put your hands in front of you. With your eyes closed. There's a story that's one of my favorite stories in the whole of history, and it's pretty amazing. I want you guys to grab hold of this. As World War II was closing, the Allied armies went and gathered up a lot of hungry orphans who became orphans because of the war. They were all placed in camps and they were well fed, but despite the care and the love they got, they always weren't able to sleep and they always seemed nervous and afraid. But finally, a man came up with a solution. Before every child went to bed, each child was given a piece of bread, which is not for them to eat, but to cuddle as they fell asleep. And the smell of their room was that of wine and other smells. The effect that this had was massive on the children, because they knew always the next day that they would definitely have food to eat. 
It was the guarantee that gave the children a restful and content sleep. Church communion is the guarantee that we had a man that was born a baby who was fully God and fully man, who died and rose again because he is the life of the party. We're going to have communion together now. And um, if you've never done this before, if it's your first time at church, then that's okay. It's an invitation. It's not an order. If you don't want to do it, then that's all right. We're going to go into a time of worship also. If you're lacking joy or you're lacking where you feel like God wants you to go or what he's called you to do, then I'd just love you once you've got your communion to come and stand up the front and there'll be people there to pray for you. And also, if you'd like to also give your life to God this morning, if what I've said shared was relevant to your life and you're like, whoa, Jesus was actually a cool person and he was quite normal and that his love for us is so real, then I'd also love for you to come up the front and do that. So as the worship band begins to play, there's a communion table at the back of the room and a communion table at the front. And just when you feel ready, just come out and get it. God, I just thank you that you love us so much. I thank you that we could come together as a family if we're just visiting or this is our first time. Thank you, God, that you're so in this place. And for the rest of the service and the time that we worship you, we recognize that you are so good and that you are a party, not a funeral. Amen.